0: Ryan Fleming can help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Hey, it's another edition of the Pilot's Advisor, and boy, do we have a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about personalities on the show today, but how it relates to the planning process. It'll be a lot of fun. Are you an overanalyzer? Are you a silo stalker? Are you the odd couple or a gambler? We're going to break them all down on the show today. This should be a really good time. Walter Storholt here with Ryan Fleming. He is the Pilot's Advisor, serving you worldwide at retirepilots.com. Go check it out if you want to learn more about uh, retirement in general, but specifically why pilots need specific financial advice for the industry. Ryan, good to be with you. What's up in your world?
1: Walter, it's always good to be with you, especially when we're sitting here doing another podcast. Um, I can't say it's a great day here. It's a little rainy, but I'm excited about the show today.
0: You know, a rainy day is a good time to be sitting indoors doing a podcast, so there you yeah, go.
1: Yeah, why not? It's, but, yeah. If it, it were a nice sunny, day, but, you'd yeah. be
0: like, man, I don't want to be here doing a podcast. I want to be outside.
1: So. Yeah, Walter, something came up. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in
0: my shorts and a t-shirt out in the yard. Don't bother me, but uh, that's good stuff. Uh, well, let's talk about personalities, Ryan. I think this will be good um, because if people feel like they're going to get some one-size-fits-all financial advice that doesn't fit their unique needs, then this is the show for them. Because if that's your line of thinking, we're going to illustrate today how really your financial plan should fit your personality a little bit or at least the process should fit your personality some. We're going to talk about some of the pros and cons and different approaches, different personalities, maybe deficiencies like weaknesses and strengths, that kind of thing, and understand why understanding your financial profile or personality can actually help you make more informed decisions. So here's what we're going to do. We've kind of broken down a number of personalities into some categorizing here, uh, Ryan. We're going to put people in some boxes, okay? Okay. But uh-oh, if, uh-oh. I don't know
1: if we're allowed to do that anymore. It's
0: going to be fun, though. We're going we to make it people. fun. We no, might not offend a, people. No, no offense taken here, right? We, In fact, we all probably have some personalities that, that might dabble in a couple of these different boxes, okay? So you, well, you, can, you can bounce around to a different box if you want.
1: To. Let's just make sure that we get every single listener today to sign not only a disclosure but go. also a hurt feelings report all right
0: we're gonna have also a um, uh, what is a participation trophy you know oh, everyone's absolutely. gonna feel like they were covered on today's show
1: okay All right perfect. Okay, we'll gonna... have fun with this because uh, pilots do have a lot of different personalities there you go
0: perfect. All right so the first one is the victim. The victim. Now, remember, this is all in the context of finances, so not necessarily just a victim in your life. That's why this hopefully shouldn't offend anybody too much. Uh, the victim's a pretty common one, I would think, uh, Ryan. We're talking about somebody that's maybe been burned or scarred by something in their financial past. Can you think of any examples where this has happened to folks that you've witnessed over the years?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, we're, when we think about how we envision and see money, most of the time, that's uh, the, our basis and our lens is because of our childhood or how our parents taught us or prior experiences with finances or a financial advisor. So yes, there are many, many people out there that have w- wounds from previous e- previous experiences. So for example, say you decided uh, you wanted to invest money and you're in your twenties or thirties and you might've tried to stock pick and you might've had an experience where you lost and it lost everything or lost half. Well, for you, the experience of investing is it hurts. It's not a good thing. And may, you might've had the opposite experience where you picked an individual stock and it went up 50% and you made a lot of money. You said, hey this investing thing's easy. I get to see all the variances of this, but there's definitely, um, the victim definitely plays out. Um, when I think about, it could be a bad advisor, an investment that went horribly wrong, big tax mistake, I can think of couples that one person's the money person, the other person's not, or one's a spender and one's a saver, and maybe they're not together anymore. Mm. Uh, that, that, that's some scar and battle wounds there. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I can remember a friend of, uh, friend of mine, an older friend of mine, made a uh, big mistake where all these years they'd been saving into their 401K, but they never realized that they had to invest it. So it was just cash all these years of their oh. working life. And if they had just invested it along the way, they would have had way more money when they got closer to retirement. It was just sort of this like, you know, like you kind of want to tell them like, oh, here's kind of what went wrong and what happened. Here's what you could have been doing this whole time.
1: Oh, man, that hurts. And that that would
0: hurt. And that's a victim right there. Like they're, they're going to be scarred.
1: Well, absolutely. And and I've actually seen this in the military. Many of our listeners and pilots are former military aviators. And I've seen a couple of times where someone has served 20 years in the military and their thrift savings plan, their TSP was invested in nothing but the G fund, which is basically it's basically cash or, or you know, okay. um, yeah, government security. So it hasn't really grown at all. And, and it's criminal. I mean, I think it's horrible. And unfortunately, yeah. Um, that creates another victim and and the victim, from my experience, has has difficulties learning to trust again. you know whether it's trusting an advisor, trusting a spouse, their own intuition or or the market in general. so and, what's a
0: what's a quick peek into how you would then help a victim, somebody that has had that kind of scarred past, move forward in their financial life and, and getting ready for retirement?
1: Well, I think the first thing is really uncovering what happened and and uncovering those emotions and getting them to talk to you about it. Because if I know what happened to them, then I can understand their feelings a lot more. And I've also found that education changes a lot of that. So they might have had this bad experience, but they were probably doing something that caused them to be speculating and gambling with their money, which I try very hard to teach people how not to do. So if we can talk about what happened and then talk about how to play by the rules and the rules of investing and make sure that we don't allow anything like that to happen again and we can educate them on that process, then they will slowly come out of their hole and and want to talk about it and and feel forward or feeling better about going forward again and, and investing their money.
0: Okay. Very good. Um, So that's the victim. Let's move on to another personality profile here. We'll call this one the overanalyzer. Maybe somebody that has trouble just making decisions, period, because uh, they kind of just overanalyze every possible choice from every possible angle. Um, I think we've heard this maybe coined as paralysis by analysis. This one hits home a little bit for me. I, I tend to sometimes get stuck just trying to evaluate all the different options out there, and it can be tough to slim it down.
1: When I like to think, if we really look at the big picture, investing is not as complex and as difficult as we make it. Now, granted, I've been studying and doing this for 12, 20 years. Um, but yes, sometimes I see it where someone can't get out of their own way. Um, I recently had a prospect who is now a client that was, that definitely fell in this this uh, silo, as you call it, the overanalyzer. And, He was constantly studying what's out there, constantly looking at P.E. ratios, constantly reading about different companies in different sectors of the market. And all it did was create nothing but fear. And that fear turned into, I'm not going to do anything. And after discussing it and slowly going through it and and really showing him what he's missed out on by doing nothing, you know we we're able to talk about some of those things and 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 I think the ultimate what what came out of it was he realized in his head which is why he reached out to me that it was time to pass the airplane that he knew that he was better that he couldn't do it himself and it was time to let somebody else take the reins and handle his finances and and his financial investing future
0: education probably a common thread to kind of solving any of the deficiencies in these personality types of course but that one with uh, an extra little nuance there of just kind of creating that comfort, creating that space and that realization, um, a, a little bit of how you kind of tweak that planning process for folks like that. Closely related to the over analyzer might be the do-it-yourselfer, somebody who's managed their own money for many, many years perhaps without the help of an advisor or anyone else. And I bet you see all the time, Ryan, that folks in this category have actually done pretty well for themselves. I mean, anybody that's kind of in tune in their finances in a heavy way like that is probably trying to educate themselves as well. And, and paying attention to these things is never a bad thing, right? Is there, is there a downfall to being a do-it-yourselfer though?
1: Um, I definitely think so. And this is one of the personality uh, traits or uh, if, I, if I run into a prospect that it's a, that it's a do-it-yourselfer, I take two steps back. For a couple reasons. Number one, they're a do it yourselfer. They may or may not like handling their own finances, but they definitely think that they can do it better than someone else. Hmm. So the do it yourselfer normally has um, how would I say this? They, 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 they're confident in their abilities because if they weren't, they wouldn't keep doing what they've been doing, but they're, they're reaching out because they don't know what they don't know. So, in a lot of times, a do it yourselfer is reaching out to a financial advisor to get free advice. And so that's something that puts Mm. alarm bells up for me as as well. There's a lot of pilots out there that are very, very intelligent, and they can handle their finances by themselves. But I got to ask you, Walter, when you think of a do it yourself or why do you think they're doing it by themselves?
0: Well, it probably comes back to that lack of trust part, right? Um, It could be pride. It could be a lot of those different emotions, I would think.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think the problem is like, you know, I've never, I I think I did my taxes maybe for like the first five or six years after I was out of school. And I quickly realized not only did I not, did I not like it, but I was pretty confident that a professional could do a better job than me or uncover something that I was missing. And I feel that same way about the investment world. You know, you might have a pretty good grasp, but I think it really comes back to, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that, you know, even Vanguard's done studies on this where you'll probably get 3% more return per year by working with an advisor because they're going to help you not make emotional behavioral mistakes. And when I see a do-it-yourselfer that's gone through their whole career and they've done quite well, it's because they've been lucky enough to manage on not making mistakes. Uh, Most of the time, when I get somebody that's in a bad spot, they've made one of those big mistakes, you know, speculating and gambling with their money.
0: Great examples so far on the show. If you have one of the profiles, one of the personalities we've kind of talked about so far and need some help, uh, you know, uncovering those deficiencies maybe. And, and again, we're all raising our hand here, right? Like none, none of us are getting out of this unscathed in terms of having some deficiencies in how we approach money and finances and what our biases may be. Uh, that's what we're uncovering here, kind of admitting all that that we all have maybe some problems and issues and that there's help in the planning world that can help us make sure that these aren't detrimental to our financial planning and our financial futures. Call or text Ryan if you've got any questions or you want to go a little bit more in depth in the planning process. 843-475-3038 is that number. Call or text that and we'll put contact info in the description of today's show as well. This next one is a fun one, Ryan. It's called the ostrich. Uh, the ostrich tends to know that there's a lot that they don't understand about their portfolio. So they're the opposite maybe of that do-it-yourselfer mentality. They're raising their hand saying, I don't know I don't know nothing. <laughs> so, But to cope, they have a little bit different response. They just sort of bury that head in the sand. They sort of try to just ignore potential risks perhaps. They just don't want to know. They just want to kind of disappear, right?
1: Well, and I think there's two different ways that we can go with the uh, the ostrich. I think a person that knows that they don't know and they don't understand a lot about their portfolio and they might be able to just kind of turn the other way. But there's also that ostrich that they know they have to save for retirement. They know that they're behind on saving for retirement. So they just try to ignore the problem. And either way, the problem's not going to go away. So whether, whether you need to reach out to an advisor to to take take control and help you start saving cuz what's what's that old old question uh, Walter when when's the right time to start saving?
0: like today, yesterday, yeah, something like it, that.
1: Always. It's always, always a good time, yeah. you know. Right now. And so uh yeah, and in some mild cases, I mean, I when I think about an ostrich it could be that they're trying to ignore potential risks like long-term care and market volatility and just hoping that they don't have to deal with these issues. But like many things in life, you know, what you can't you can't ignore what's what's coming down the road and retirement's coming either way. Um, getting old and health issues they're coming either way. So we got to got to work through those problems.
0: Yeah, very true on uh, that front of things, Ryan. So that's the ostrich and then we have the I, silo stocker. Can, I, yeah, go can ahead. I
1: Can I interrupt you, sorry. You know, so we're going like and it's so funny because not everybody fits into one of these either. It's very gray. Yeah. And one one thing I do want to bring up, I've been doing this for a while so I am so you know it's really easy for me to talk about money it's really easy for me to ask questions or or come up with scenarios or say you know how if this happened how how would your family feel or what kind of position would you leave your family in and i think you know our society's changed a lot cuz it's it's very taboo to talk about money or or p- some parents were really good at teaching personal finance to their children and others didn't t- t- talk about it at all yeah and i think that's why we have such an issue in our world today because we're, we don't do a good job at teaching personal finance in school at all. And now when pensions went away, all these people are responsible for their own retirement and we don't have the tools out there to get to the next step.
0: Yeah, it'd be great. Was the, great if there was more support educationally when we were younger uh, to, to learn some of this stuff, right?
1: Well, absolutely. Like, What was your family like? Did they, do you feel like they taught you a lot growing up?
0: I feel like um, my parents set a great example of being open about money and finance and conversations and talking. So I got to witness mom and dad looking at, but uh, you know, looking at their finances together, paying the taxes, uh, you know, paying taxes, paying the bills, arguing about money in, in a healthy way, you know, arguing about how much to spend on vacation, what to save over here, things like that. And um, I actually learned a lot from my grandparents too. Uh, my, my grandmother was a big supporter of saving for retirement. She became a vice president at a bank late in life. She got her degree very late in life and became a vice president of a bank and was always big on. She was the one I've probably shared the story on the show before where she taught us all about uh, she didn't gift the traditional grandma kind of gifts. She gave us stock growing up and it was you know, it might just be a couple of shares of this and a couple of shares of that. And they were always in fun companies, but it was a great way to teach us about what stocks were, what bonds were, what finances were. And you know what? Those small bits of Disney and Harley and um, Hershey stock and things like that, that she was gifting us kids over the years, it helped pay for my first home uh, when I was like 22 or 23. So it was pretty cool how that grew and just really ingrained the value of those uh, of those investments. So absolutely, it was just really great to grow up in that environment. And not everybody has that, which is just really, really unfortunate that then it's not provided in support in schools and and that everybody can't get better access to that.
1: Well, it sounds like you had some great mentors growing up financially and got to learn from your grandma. And it sounded like your, your parents were out there really discussing it with you and and teaching you. And not everyone has that. Um, I would say with my family, my mom was a very good saver. I mean, she grew up on a farm. She's a farm girl. And it was always that, that, that feeling of, uh, not not having a mentality of abundance but scarcity.
0: Oh okay, so scarcity. My, yeah,
1: so my 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 mom was always it was always about scarcity. So she would, you know, put pennies and nickels and constantly save. And I think my dad you know, it was more just constantly just put it pushing education, not necessarily per, personal financial education, but just education. And if you had those two things, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd figure it out eventually.
0: Yeah, build but, a culture of of being curious and figuring yeah. things out for your own, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, but but I found that I think the way the generation that I grew up in, and Walter's a little bit younger than me, but pretty close. Yeah, I'm not convinced that we were taught long-term wealth building strategies. I, you know, we, I feel like I was brought up with more of a broke mindset where I didn't pay for something or I didn't buy something until I had saved up for it. And I, I paid cash for it, which I think is good not to overextend ourselves with credit cards and stuff like that, but it didn't teach us how to leverage our money to make more money and build long-term wealth. And I think getting past that broke mentality is something that I deal with on a day-to-day basis.
0: Hey, if you're ready to have clarity and thrive in your retirement, you're in the right place, and I've got another resource for you to check out. Go to retirepilots.com and look right there on the homepage. You'll be able to click Get My Free Toolkit. What this is going to do is help you get, for free, Ryan's Retirement Toolkit. This is going to include his two books, The Pilot's Advisor and Pilots Retire Early, revealing the nine critical decisions when retiring and the seven lessons to save your retirement. Not only does it include the books, but lots of other goodies packed into this free toolkit that'll be sent to you ASAP. It's a great starting place for any pilot to begin their retirement journey. Go to retirepilots.com. Let's dive into another one here, the silo stalker. This is somebody who's anticipating that worst-case scenario, the the prepper, right? Uh, And the good news is these folks, I would imagine, Ryan, if you've dealt with them, often have a huge chunk of their assets, uh, probably decent savings, but often it's just sitting maybe in the wrong places. Is this the person that's got a lot of metals, a lot of cash maybe, um, maybe too conservative? Is that what you find here?
1: Well, we definitely have silo stalkers, um, the doomsday preppers, you know, I look at this person. They're buying ammo all the time. They have a safe with not only a bunch of guns Am- in it, ammo but, and
0: seeds, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and quite a bit of cash. And you know, I, I like to refer to for this case of uh, going broke very safely because they have all that cash in their safe. But it's losing eight percent, you know, right per year right now. And, and then also, yeah, the the precious metals play. So I don't really know what's going to happen with the dollar. So I'm going to have a bunch of gold and silver as well. Which is fine. I mean, I think that's a, a conservative investment. The problem is when I look at the long term, and you want to compare returns of gold and silver versus any equity over the long term. So we're talking about owning a bunch of equities versus commodities. The, 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 there's no comparison at all. It's not even close. So once again, it's just dealing with the mindset. And most of the silo stalkers, I think, have lost all trust of the government, and you know, taxes are going to implode and the whole market's going to implode and and so there, it, it's it's tough it, it creates some tough conversations
0: yeah do you, you try to bring bring them back to the light sort of so, so to speak or try to to, to at least maybe uh, I don't want to say debunk maybe some of their beliefs but just build in a little bit more comfort into the system I mean how do you I, I imagine that just tough they're tough conversations to have that's a, a lot of hard stuff to kind of overcome
1: Well, I think for me, a lot of it's just talking about numbers and education. I always say the numbers don't lie. And yes, I agree. I mean, if you're going to invest in anything out there, whether it's the stock market or real estate or investing in a job or investing in yourself, there's inherent risks in any of that. But I definitely find that the silo stalker is definitely not as good of a place as that person that trusts the system and understands risk and is putting themselves out there. Because if, if you can avoid the, the mistakes and play by the rules, you're, you're normally going to win. And uh, no different than the ostrich, you know, b- by digging a hole and, and, and doomsday prepping and buying toilet paper, that's not going to help you in retirement.
0: Yeah, honestly, the ostrich and the silo stalker are very similar in sort of the the dangers that they're exposed to. It's just their reactions to it are different. The silo stalker is very aware of everything going on around them, maybe too much, where the ostrich just doesn't tries not to pay attention at all so they don't get stressed out by it. But kind of the same the same problem exists between the two. Uh let's talk about the odd couple, another one of our personalities here. It could be oh my gosh. a <laughs> couple with conflicting goals. Maybe the husband wants to retire and travel the world, or maybe it's the opposite of that if maybe uh, you know, pilot coming home doesn't want to travel anymore, doesn't want to fly anywhere, but the spouse does. I can imagine you see this all the time where you've got kind of just a disagreeing couple.
1: I should have another, uh, le- a few letters behind my, my name that's marriage counselor. There you I go. I don't know what it would your, be. Your
0: LCSW or
1: whatever that is. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> something like that. Because I've been in a few situations that are very uncomfortable where where a couple's having a fight in front of me. Like I'm no longer there to like help them with their finances. I'm there to, to, to referee. Yeah. So Bob, (laughs) you said
0: on the phone, you want to retire next year. And then uh, the wife goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) You you know, you're in for a rough meeting.
1: (laughs) Well, and and it's, it's uh, I I wouldn't even say it's an odd couple because most couples, one spouse have, has a completely different level of engagement with their finances versus the other. You know, we always talk about how opposites attract. So usually one person's very heavy into the finances and one person's not. Or maybe one of them watches stuff very, very closely and digs into the details and, and the other spouse is completely clueless. Yeah. And, and I hate to say it, I've always said that people get divorces or don't stay together and it's either because of sex or money. And ultimately, I think both of them come down to communication. And I think communicating is so important, not only about day-to-day finances, but also about retirement. Man. And you bring up the odd couple where they might have totally different feelings about retirement. Like, what does your retirement look like? Why are we doing all this? And when we do retire, are we on the same page for what we want to do? And it's a little sad, but I've had recent, recent experiences where the husband and wife, they're not going to get a divorce, but they've, they've made the agreement that they're going to go their separate ways in retirement to, to live the retirement life that they want to live. And mm-hmm. they weren't on the same page. Well, you got yeah, deep.
0: You you do need those extra letters behind your name.
1: <laughs> oh man, let's talk about some patience. And then the other thing too, where where it becomes very difficult. Imagine this: a couple doesn't necessarily ever have the same risk tolerance. So imagine a couple where one person is very aggressive, and then the other person is very conservative.
0: And that can be tough to develop well. a plan from that, right?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, it gets complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you can deal with. Hey, we have different levels of engagement, right? Um, and so we can kind of work around that in the process. But when it comes to actually putting the plan together, those differences we, we got. That's where it's some compromising and some middle ground has to be found.
1: Well, like I said, I think I I need to go get that certification for so. counseling somewhere
0: that's great. Well, it's kind of funny on the odd couple part, you know, because I'm, I'm really engaged in financial stuff, obviously, hosting this show with you and just ha- kind of have been my whole life. And you talked about coming from different backgrounds. And, and Connie's family never really discussed this kind of stuff. She's never really had that much interest in understanding, you know, the consequences of credit card debt or buying a house and what really goes into that, what a mortgage is, just it's anything, anything related to finance stuff. She's like, eh, you handle it, you know, you'll figure it all out. Um, and then it's just really funny because every Every month for the past several years, I send her just a recap. Hey, here's a recap of where everything stands for the month. Account balances, how it changed from the previous month, what our financial goals are, how we've done on our previous goals, where we're sitting. I'm like, just so that you can never say you didn't include me in the conversation, here it is every month. And I always try to encourage involvement and and getting her involved in the strategy, all that kind of stuff. And it's really funny, her her book club just recently picked up a book about personal finance. And so she's reading this and she's like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. Do you know what a this and this is? And she's quizzing me. I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to teach you about that for years. And she now has all this interest because the book club's covering the book. And uh, But it's great because now we're actually having some of these talks and she's like, I want to be more engaged. Let's put together a budget. And I'm like, uh-oh, we're creating a monster now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you got to be careful how far you go with that, right? Yeah,
0: soon she's going to be like, all right, you let me pay the bills now. <laughs> See,
1: well, well, Walter, you were trying to say that you were getting her to engage, but what you are really doing, you were trying to show her how smart she was for marrying you. That's right, and exactly. And how fiscally responsible you've been over the years. and, and, and now,
0: so Maybe now she'll actually have an appreciation for it. <laughs> well, now it sounds
1: like it's going to blow up in your face. She's ready to take the reins.
0: Or go that way. She'll be like, you've been doing this wrong. Oh, well, I don't like this investment you picked. She's going to start quizzing me. Why are we in this stock? Why are we doing this? Uh-oh. You're an idiot. What have you been
1: doing? <laughs> no. And I got to be honest with you. Like I, I ended up marrying my wife, Carrie, because she, she's a very intelligent woman. Um, she, has, she has obviously horrible taste in men, but I enjoy engagement with her talking about life and about finances and that communication and, and goal seeking and, and looking towards the future is a very healthy thing. you know, And for us, it was always, let's go on a walk and get caught up or let's go sit on the porch and talk about things but but the communicating about finances is, is is a very healthy thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh all right, we'll go to the gambler. We've got two more personalities left. This has been a fun one, Ryan. I've enjoyed this conversation today. Uh the gambler, uh pretty obvious on this one, right? This is that person that walks into your office, Ryan, and they love to take risks.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, you know, this is the guy that tries to is constantly trying to pick the hot stocks, or he's talking about puts and calls and other trade options uh, to get the most out of his investments. He's liquidating his his IRA or his TSP and putting it all into Bitcoin. Um, and in, in most cases, he's in the cockpit bragging about it and uh, about actual money plays that he's had. And the funny part is, I've been there many times where. Uh, well, and it's always the crusty captain. So we'll just put it out there. It's the crusty captain. <laughs> and he's telling me about this crazy biotech and he made $600,000 on this stock. And of course, I just kind of blow that off. And I go, well, why don't you tell me about all the times that you lost your butt by picking these stocks? And he's like, well, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <And> nobody, <laughs> That's <not much> fun. <laughs> and, nobody, and nobody does. But, but the funny part is what I find, is, and I just had a conversation with a gentleman that was about to retire. And he has made every mistake you can imagine. And we're out of time now. And now he's reaching out to me a couple months before he's gonna retire. And he's if he would have just, you know, gone down the boring less sexy path, he would have an amazing retirement. But instead, because of the gambling and pulling out money, doing self directed IRAs, investing in some random real estate, you know, who knows? We're in a situation now where there's no money and we're going to be on a very fixed, fixed income in retirement and it's very sad for me to watch.
0: Yeah, that is tough. So that's, that's the gambler. Uh, real quick, Ryan, what, I, I, as a non-pilot, I view flying obviously it's it's a risky. I think the facts would show like it's, it's it's a risky profession. Like you guys know what you're getting into when you become a pilot and fly a tube through the sky. Um, so I would think that the gambler kind of risk taker mentality is pretty prevalent. Even if not somebody doesn't fit into this box exactly, right? But I'd imagine that this is this is part of the makeup of a lot of people in the industry. W- would I be wrong about that?
1: I would say that pilots in general are, are definitely much more aggressive yeah. at investing than the average person. Um, you know, those type A personalities definitely come out in that manner. But I think what's different about it is you got the ones that take very calculated risks, versus, I think the gambler to mm-hmm. me is a little bit more of they're jumping in the pool and they haven't even looked to see if there's water in there. Gotcha. Okay. And, 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 and you can tell right away. I mean, you can tell from talking to them. A lot of times when I'm meeting with a new client or a new prospect, we'll say, um, they think they're interviewing me, and that's, that's really not the case. I'm actually interviewing them to see if they're going to be a good fit, and I'm trying to uncover a lot of these landmines that we're talking about in this because, because if a person can't take advice or they can't allow me to help them, then it's going to be a very difficult relationship for us going forward. And for another pilot to understand it, what would I, would I talk about, when you, when you pass the airplane to someone else, you're basically saying you have the airplane and you're going to fly. And if they're going to try to start teaching me and start trying to fly from the other seat when I actually have the airplane, that's a problem and it doesn't work. Um, so I think it, being cognizant of what kind of personality you are is very, very uh, helpful, um, knowing, especially going into a relationship where you're asking a professional for their help.
0: So the calculated risk taker is very common among pilots. It's the gambler when it goes a little too far, that reckless abandon sort of mentality. That's where we really see that popping up as um, where problems start to occur in, in often the investing uh, track record and, and potential future for somebody. Yeah, to man,
1: shoot, shoot first, aim later. Yeah,
0: <laughs> good to know the distinction there. Uh, or, or, uh,
1: or another way I got to say this, yeah. I got to say this because we got pilots out there. We tend to say all thrust and no vector.
0: All thrust and no vector. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. The model citizen is our last one, Ryan. The model citizen. Now, this sounds like the category you want to be in. This is the person that has done almost everything right with their money. They've been a diligent saver, lived within their means, ready to start looking at specifics of their plan. But we often find that the model citizen doesn't really know the starting point for that transition like they've been so good at executing things through the you know big part of their life, their working years. they're just like now they're entering into this new territory and they're not really sure like, okay, well, how do I make that transition? How do I make that next step?
1: Well, this one really speaks to me because I had a recent experience, and I like to think that you know going through the twenty or thirty or forty years of saving for retirement, if you can just not make mistakes don't stock pick, don't market time, don't track record invest, and you can stay disciplined, you're going to be in a good spot. And I recently ran across a guy I was flying with, and he had done just that. He had, he had saved diligently, not made any mistakes, was diversified, rebalanced, and he had a sizable retirement. I mean, he had quite a bit of money saved. It was, it was, it was, it was impressive. The problem was he was entering this distribution phase of retirement that he knew nothing about and i was trying to i was trying to talk to him and ask some questions to get him to to uh discover that there's probably better ways to protect your money now now that you've made it you need to protect it a little bit not only from uh i mean ways to protect it from uncle sam and and unfortunately a lot of us don't think about the distribution phase and how to make sure that the united states government's not one of our major beneficiaries and and unfortunately, I could not get through this guy to, to see that there's a big shift once you go from saving, saving, saving to start, how are you are going to start pulling it out of these accounts? And unfortunately, in this case, I failed. I could not get through to him. Mm. Um, but yes, uh, I, I see the model citizen out there.
0: Well, there you have it. Those are our eight personality profiles of investors, savers, and retirement preparers. So, if you recognize that you might identify with a couple of these categories more than the other, I doubt anyone is straight up just one personality. Right? We're complex human beings. You probably sense a little bit of these personalities in in your life and in, in, in your mentality. Uh, but you can see where some of these weaknesses, some of these biases, start to play into the uh, into the equation. So. Try to counteract these things. Try not to make the mistakes that folks that have more of these different pieces of their personality kind of dominating a little bit. Try not to make the mistakes that they tend to. And you can always do that by working with somebody who's going to steer you in the right direction. Make sure you're not falling into these kinds of pitfalls that are out there and getting you to uh, retirement successfully. Uh, If you want to talk to Ryan about that and set up a time to visit and meet, you can call or text him at 843-475-3038. That number is in the show notes of today's program as well. And you can also go online to retirepilots.com. You can touch base through the website. Um, You can tap into lots of other great resources there as well, including the retirement toolkit that we tell you about all the time. Great starter point for a lot of people who are planning for retirement and specifically for pilots who need advice. Um, So, again, that's all at retirepilots.com, and that's linked in the show notes as well. Ryan, thanks for this personality rundown. This was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll have another good episode on tap next time.
1: And we'll have more uh, financial marriage counseling on the next episode.
0: <laughs> yes. It does sound like we could do an entire episode on just Doc- the odd couple, doesn't it?
1: Dr. Phil will be showing up to assist. I love it. I
0: love it. We can get some other people to come on. Ooh, let's get a couple on here arguing and have you try to like, um, you know, calm, calm the waters. Like, can we do live financial planning on the show to like see what happens? Oh, would this be would like?
1: be great. I, I know of a couple <laughs> right now. They actually live not too far from you. Oh, very
0: cool. Yeah. No, I didn't Let's, say that, did I? <laughs> you you, you, work, you work on it. Get them on. <laughs> oh, wait. Are you talking about me
1: and Connie? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. But everybody, fly safe out there. It was enjoyable. We'll talk to you soon. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.